Hello and wel- welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> that one comes to us from Sean Doran. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fizzle Show. Uh, I'm fired up for you to be here. You know what this is the podcast for a community of creative people working to become self employed. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Uh, your hosts are, if we were body parts, this one comes from a listener, if we were body parts, Chase, uh, that's me, would be hair, because I have some. Corbett would be the heart, because he has one. And Barrett would be, undeniably, the brain, because you guessed it, he has one. And all three of us use all of these things to make your eardrums happy. <laughs> Thanks from Adna Ned Tech on iTunes. In this episode, listen, a lot of people uh, that I meet who want to start a blog or a podcast or a, a business or be rich and famous or something like that either have no idea how they're going to make money or they're too confident in some vague, dubious scheme of theirs that revenue is going to come in. Uh, which is fine. I mean, that's how I got started. In some ways, I always kind of felt like that's how you should get started. Be clueless, jump in, you'll figure it out as you as you work on it. But in the past year, I've sort of I've seen how valuable it can be to learn from someone else's path. Uh, so in this episode, we share ten business archetypes, ten business models, uh, and share our commentary along the way. And for many, forcing themselves to sort of choose from this list, even though it's not a comprehensive list, nor is this mandatory at all to create a successful business, uh, but choosing from this list could lead to some clarity and maybe new ideas about how to grow into the next stage of your business. I hope that's the case for you today. Uh, We'll talk about each one of them and then ask a few questions at the end uh, for you to apply to your business. You can follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 91, and I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Check, 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 check your levels, Corbett. Check them. Let's check them right now. Let's check it. Let's check it harder. Let's check it. Check it. Oh my God. Check it. It feels good to check. Um, Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. Had a drumstick in your brain starts just like, do you know when your brain starts like ticking? Mm, no, but I know when it starts sticking. Uh, when it's like you're watching X-Files with the lights on. Do you think they said when your brain starts ticking or starts sticking? I think it's ticking. I think huh. it's ticking. I always thought it was sticking. It's one of those like Jared's X. Corollary. <laughs> corollary. Cor- corollary. What's the corollary to that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love giving you crap, Barrett. But you know we love you, right? Mm-hmm. You know you're like the, mm-hmm. you're like the heart and soul of this o- operation here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. At least, Bar- at least the soul. So listen, today, guys, uh, uh, Barrett, I want you to, I want you to lead, lead in our conversation. Oh today. no, he's oh, yeah. setting you up, Barrett. <laughs> Remember last time we did this? Oh yeah. <laughs> set it up. Set it up. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh snap! So today we're going to talk about business models, and the reason why is that we see so many people who say, "I want to start a blog," or "I want to start a podcast," or "I want to be famous," or "I want all my friends to like me." And meanwhile, they don't make any money for like three or five years, and they don't even think about making money. And I think the big problem with that is that they don't have a vision for how they're going to make money when they get started. So something we did recently that we talked about in the last episode or two episodes ago was we uh, created an email series that goes to all email subscribers. And the goal is to get them from, I want to be an entrepreneur, to I have a real business idea. And a major part of that for us was 
you have to pick a business model either now or at some point in the future so that you're building towards that. And I think when you have a business model in place, it means that your, your podcasting and your blogging efforts can be much more focused and you'll have much more clarity on why you're doing what you're doing every day. So that's the goal of this episode is to give you uh, what I'm calling business archetypes that you can use and choose from when you're starting out and building your business. Sound good? Nice. Sounds great. So just to clarify, I think a lot of people sort of start uh, just figuring they're going to build an audience and then eventually they'll figure the rest out. Yeah. And what I hear you saying, Barrett, is we're going to try to save people a little bit of heartache by helping them think a little into the future so that they start making the right steps towards how are you going to turn this into a business? Because I had an issue um, personally where I started to blog. Well, you have a lot of personal issues. I have a lot of issues. But this one particular issue related to the topic at hand today um, was that I started to blog in 2009 to sort of chronicle the trip that my wife and I were on sabbaticaling around Mexico. Sabbaticaling, is that a word? Yeah, it's like um, glad willing. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, about a year later, you know, I looked back and I was really happy for the um, for the audience that I built. But then I started realizing I have no idea what I'm going to sell these people, and and that's when I started think traffic because it was more targeted. Yeah. It had a goal in mind. Yeah. I, it was a clear path to revenue, um, and I just kind of kept my other blog as it was. And uh, now I'm kind of coming for full circle and personal blogging again. But. Um, and, I, and I, I'm happy with the way it went, but yeah. I spent a year sort of spinning my wheels thinking about how am I going to monetize this thing. I tried to do some coaching and other things, and it just wasn't a clear fit for what I was writing about yeah. and um, and didn't feel right. So I kind of started over. And so we're trying to say we might be able to help you prevent having to start over. Oh, forest fires. I was going to go forest fires, but... Prevent? <laughs> only you. Only you. Only you. Only you can help prevent, uh, you know, fizzling out by, by not choosing. Does that sound about right? Business archetype? Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I want to lead in with the fact that you might choose something and it's probably going to change, but at mm-hmm. least if you start with a certain model with in mind, you can test it and experiment with it and see if it works for you or not without a model, you're not testing anything. And the other thing I'll say is that if you just want to start a blog because it's personally fulfilling, you want to write, you want to write about where you are in life or about where other people are in life that you admire or that you've been observing, great, go for it. But if you want to build a business, which is a different thing from just building an audience or a blog, um, this is where I think you should start. Yeah, I, I mean, when I think about why to choose a business model or why to do a, any research on this in the front half before like even getting into it, when I think about that, the thing that comes to my mind as the most helpful thing, and I this is not what I would have said uh even last year, you would have been like, just wing it, just wing it, just do just it, figure it out. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna make mistakes anyway. Well, you're so mature now. I'm so mature. Um, the cor- corollary of that is that um, I wasn't uh, very mature then. Um, so, but but the thing that I that I like so much about it now, uh, this idea is now you get to pick a mentor, whether it's someone that you're in touch with or someone that you just uh, view from afar. What you get to do now is you get to realize you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can watch what other people are doing in your particular archetype. Now, uh, some guys are going to be authors selling books, trying to grow an audience on the side. Other guys are going to be selling SaaS products, uh, you know, software as a service. Other other folks are going to be doing this, that, or the other, and there's going to be little. There's going to be all these differences and subtleties between the different business models. That is that are really instructive. Like uh, Barrett, even on um, when you did a. a 
a uh, forum thread within the the Fizzle forums. You said like, hey, here's 10 archetypes that I see all the time. And here's like, you know, sort of a thing about them. This is what we're going to get into today. But we brought that to the forums. And the, and the responses to it are people re- going like, oh, you know what? That, that thought leader, teacher, freelancer, that sounds like me. That, uh, that one sounds like me. Oh, this one feels like the, the biggest fit to my personality type. These things tend to kind of come clear. And then now it's not just about like, you know, we give a lot of advice about, uh, you know, picking an audience, solving their problem, serving them over time, doing it to the best of your ability. <clears throat> that there's nothing about business model in there, right? A lot of this stuff can come totally naturally over time. But if you look at what exists out there, and you start paying attention to this, this is going to be your bread and butter. So get used to some of the ideas and the reality of what your what your business is actually going to be. That's what I love so much about this, because now I feel like I had to go through this gauntlet for like the last five years, trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, to, to now it's like, oh, I don't have to make this all up from scratch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can look at other people, and this is, by the way, how they got to where they are. Yeah. You know, well, and, and just to simplify this a little bit, um, the step, am I making it too? No, but the step that you're going to try to corollary me, the step, uh, (laughs) you might be stretching that a little bit. Well, the corollary of that would be that I wasn't making it too difficult. I'm going to corral a re you (laughs) that is on this one. Oh, Oh, where's my Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh, that's good. That's a rich tip. I think, I think the step that a lot of entrepreneurs, or uh, if I may borrow a term that I've heard recently, wantrepreneurs. Want, 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 want. <laughs> the, those, the step that a lot of those people never get to is simply the act of charging people for something or of creating a product yeah. and offering it for sale. Yeah. And really that's what we're talking about here is what are you going to sell or how is money going to enter your bank account in exchange for some value that yeah. you you provide. And a lot of people just kind of are out there floundering, mm-hmm. um, trying to do all the stuff, feeling like because I'm blogging and podcasting and attending conferences and blah, 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 that I have a business. But if you don't have something for sale, then you're never going to earn you know, yeah. on income. So real right. talk with Corbett Barr. RT with CB. Okay. So let's jump in here. I want to start. Let's jump in. So there's 10 of these, right? Which means that we kind of got to hustle through each one, but whatever. Okay. Let's do it. The first one I want to start with is what I think many people think of when we say online business. And my personal opinion is that online business is a term that's on its way out because if your business, no matter what it is, is not online, then you're a goofball. But the first archetype here is uh, called. Quit being such a goofball. You're crazy guy. What are you, such a goofball? The first uh, archetype is called you're the a teacher. Guy. <laughs> the teacher. So here's what I have to say about teachers. Um, they're not freelancing. They're not publishing traditional books. The teacher is using digital pop products like ebooks or courses or membership sites to teach what they know already. Uh, so people that we can think of when we think of teachers are people like Nathan Berry, someone we talk about a lot, uh, Marie Forleo. She's another one that a lot of people know. Uh, Ramit Sethi is another one that you might consider. So these are people who are taking concepts that they know something about, putting them either on paper or in video, and then selling those digital products to other people so they can learn. So that's the teacher. All right. Also what we do at Fizzle. Okay. Uh, So hold on. So the the examples that you're giving there, like um, 
So, for example, like Nathan Barry, okay, he wrote a book called Authority. He had another one called like the App Design Handbook, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. That one's very specific to this whole like you can clearly tell that that's a teaching sort of thing, right? We're teaching you how to design uh, an an iOS app or a, you know a mobile app. Yep. Um, there, there you can you can understand that, and I mean even like even in, like Corbett, think traffic for you. You're teaching how to grow a thriving and profitable audience. Yep. How to get more people to your website. All these tactics and tips and tips and tricks yep. and all this stuff to get people to your site. So these are the teachers. Okay, who online isn't a teacher? I guess is one is one of the questions that makes me think of. Well, I think that uh, all right. So if we keep going through this, I think we'll come up with some other examples. Okay, so you so, want to just move straight on to the next one? Well, I think that'll highlight some people who aren't teachers. Roger that. Okay. Okay. So a second one that's very closely related to the teacher, but I think is a little bit different, is what I'm calling the thought leader. And so the thought leader for me focuses on their ideas or research, and they, their primary way of getting paid is through public speaking and traditionally published books. Okay. So instead of digital goods, they're going out and they're standing on stages or they're publishing their books or they're publishing their books so that they can stand on stages. Mm-hmm. So people like this would be Josh Shipp, who we've done a founder story with at Fizzle. It would be Brene Brown, who's a well-known researcher and author. Uh, somebody like Josh Kaufman, who wrote The First 20 Hours and The Personal MBA. These are all people using this thought leadership kind of... What about Seth Godin or Malcolm Gladwell? Definitely, both those guys as well, yep. Okay. All right, so... so, And you're not calling them authors because they're doing a lot more than just writing. They're out there speaking and and blogging and just sharing ideas. Because in some ways, there's there's no such thing as an author anymore. And they're not necessarily trying to teach you something specific. It's not like a a how-to course on from A to Z. It's more like, um, like you said, research and big ideas and... Yeah, even I, I would almost put, uh, you know, what I put in this camp is uh, James Clear yep. as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because uh, I mean, well, he just because frankly, he just reminds me of that Dan Pink type, the type that's like, hey, here's research, I'm making it accessible to you, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, uh, the let's talk about the difference between the teacher and the thought leader here a little yep. bit because it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Very to me, it's almost like the teacher picks a an audience and sticks with it over the long haul. Uh, uh, the 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 audience is the thing the people who need uh, the insights about the actual specific topic being taught. Whereas, so uh, Malcolm Gladwell, for example, might pick a particular audience, uh, thirty to fifty five year olds who have a propensity towards pop science and sort of just like I want to be entertained with interesting facts and tidbits and maybe uh, some when to put my kid in the school or when not to or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, or when to have babies, I guess. But I guess it's, it helped me understand the difference between the teacher and the thought leader. So I think the primary way we should differentiate between these is on how they make money. Okay. And so the other thing I want to make clear up front is many businesses combine different elements of these. So you don't have to be one or the other, yeah. but I think it's yeah. really healthy to start with one and then add other elements later. So basically, thought leaders are are teachers who don't have courses to sell. Correct. Is, is kind of the thing. But many but, thought leaders move into that teacher realm over time and vice versa. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's yeah. what Josh like Ship Josh, does. Yeah. yeah. And so now, and I, I did say, I and said, Josh, Josh kind of has two businesses when he's out there speaking to kids yeah. and, um, 
sort of influencing what people think about at-risk youth. Yeah. That's his thought leader space. Mm-hmm. When he's teaching other people how to become youth speakers, that's his teacher side. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Right. You know, you're right. That's exactly. That's two different, completely different businesses, even yep. though they, they share a border. Yep. Yep. Now, I did, I did say, like, there's no such thing as just an author anymore. I want to clarify what I mean by that. Um, I mean, if you are not already a published something, something, uh, what's going to have to happen is you have to own your relationship with your audience now. You can't just get, I mean, very few situations where are you getting a publishing deal and then, uh, there and you don't have any sort of digital connection or digital you know you haven't already built your audience or have an email list or all this other crap going on very few situations a publisher is going to pick you up with that publishers are now almost requiring and or teaching you how to do all of that stuff um so so it's no longer like i'm just an author like i just create a book and then just ship it out you you got to you got to have the the social media and the email and all this other stuff and this is what the whole publishing world is learning and and is trying to get their authors into so um that's the only reason why i I felt like i should should clarify that um okay so we've got the teacher the thought leader uh anything else before we move on to the next one no i think those are two really common ones though that we see they're very public they're very flashy oftentimes we see a lot about them so those are the most uh, often quoted ones when we have customers come to us when we have fizzlers come to us and say i want to be a business builder yeah they usually think of one of these two yeah Another popular one amongst the same crowd is what I'm calling the mediapreneur. Mm -hmm. And that term has got a little bit of a stigma with it these days, but we won't go into that. So for me, the mediapreneur makes money uh, through their public content by doing one of three things, by selling uh, advertising on their blog or podcast through sponsorships, uh, you know, where maybe you're doing sponsored posts or partnerships, something like that or through affiliate marketing. So they're linking out to somebody else's products in their public content so that they get a cut of the sale. So these might be podcasters, newsletter curators, food bloggers, things like that. Examples would be uh, guys like Pat Flynn. That's where he started out. Uh, John Lee Dumas with his podcasting. Um, I think of David Seitman Garland. Yep. Um, uh, Brain Pickings is another example. Of a um, mediapreneur, you think? Yeah. So help me understand that. So hold on. Brain Pickings is a sort of a, uh, this fascinating blog on just found things within books. Basically, she has an awesome interview. Incredible. In, in, um, you like that? You listen to it? Uh, no, not the, not the interview, but just brain pickings in general. I find myself on that site all the time. Uh, the, her interview in, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast was really great. She's just, basically, she just reads all day long. Yep. <laughs> and collects and kind of categorizes things on the, on the blog. Doesn't that sound like? I mean, it sounds fun, and I yeah. and I I always wonder like, how do you get in that mindset where you can just spend all day reading? Yeah. And feel like that's work because I always feel guilty when I'm just reading. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, I want to be like the world's uh, foremost uh, uh, Stephen King scholar. Okay, so so uh, Maria Popova, we're saying Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas. So these are people yeah. who primarily worry about their content. And how do they monetize Three, that, Barrett? Okay, so got it, yeah. So, so basically, they either sell advertising space. So you are the product. The reader or listener is the product here, right? And you're, they are selling that product to other companies oh, yeah. who mm-hmm. become advertisers or partners or sponsors. Yep. Or they're affiliate marketing to sell somebody else's products and take a cut, so they're almost like a salesperson. Or in Maria's case, at brain picking, she's going directly to her readers and saying, donate to help this site keep going. And yeah. so that's something like what ESPN is doing next year, where they're going, they're opening up their online channels, and for 20 bucks a month, you can watch everything on ESPN online. 
So it's that same kind of media model sports where ball, sports. Sorry. And uh, and I just uh, really like sports. Sports. Sorry, I am really. It's coming out. Seen, Sorry, you should have seen Chase at the Ducks game on Monday. Wow, oh, God. that was extreme. I was sad, man. You were you were bummed. Um. So and just to think about uh, our friends Pat and John, who we talk a lot about on this show. Um. They obviously now Pat is like a software guy. He's got this, this yeah. new plugin for podcasting. Um. John sells a course, and I think he probably earns the majority of his income from that course now. But yeah. they both started out basically i actually think they both get a majority of their income from blue hosts yeah. <laughs> affiliates yeah well pat does that's true yeah. um but john i think uh does more but anyway both of them kind of started out yep. with either advertising or affiliate marketing and that yeah that's actually that's an important qualifier is like where they start and yep. that's that's a hard road let's just um so to me when we've talked about the three of these so far the teacher is the easiest route to earning an income because route 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 because um you have a a chance of earning higher revenue per audience member, so you don't need as many people in your audience to yeah. earn a living from teaching. Whereas being this mediapreneur, where you're earning a living from advertising or affiliate marketing or a thought leader, mm. you have to have like hundreds of thousands of people paying attention to you before the advertising is going to earn enough. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a hard place to start, and I think in direct uh, juxtaposition to that, or the corollary of that, is. Um, is like a Nathan Berry. To me, when I think of Nathan Berry, I think of a small and profitable audience. Yep. And that's very different from a big... So like each person is has a, a high value on them mm-hmm. in this audience. Whereas in a very large site, each person has a very low value on them. Right? Yep. There's no... There's very little... Inter- you make like pennies per exactly. visitor. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where... that's the, And both are totally viable. One is actually... I mean, they both have been around for forever, right? And I'm, not, I'm saying both because I guess I'm kind of lumping together the teacher and thought leader together. Um, even though the thought leader... It, it, works perfectly between the teacher and the mediapreneur because the mediapreneur requires massive amounts of people. Uh, the teacher does not mm-hmm. in order to be profitable. Uh, the thought leader, normally you're finding people that are kind of mixing between the two. Josh Coffin's a great example yeah. of someone with an audience that might not be as big as Pat Flynn's or John Lee Dumas's, but is able to to be put as as profitable yeah. in, with a, a sort of a mix of different offers, offerings. Right. Definitely. Okay. What's Love next? It. Hey, uh, just quick question. Time yeah. out. Is this the first time we've podcasted you and I, Chase, in this hey. in this yeah house in this new place? Hey, 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 hey. What's hey? Well, you're not gonna tell me about you're not gonna tell me where podcast you're from. Hey, what are you gonna do? You just gonna walk in here and you're just not gonna even say where you're podcasting? Tell me where we're podcasting, Corbett. No, is it the first time? Is that for, yeah, of course. That first time. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's the first time. What are you talking about? D- All right, good, good. Well, tell, tell I'm just people. curious. Uh, we're over at my new place in Portland, hey. and uh, we've podcasted several times from Portland. But I think, well, you think it's our first podcast? No, we've done this a lot. I think in every other case, it's been over at your place. So you know, if if people like the warmth of the room, let us know. Let us know how you it did, sounds. You did just take a picture somewhere. I did. I'm uh, about to send it out. You're about to. You're about to tweet it out. He I'm loves his this. podcasting pictures. He's, he's gonna instant goob it. They this. get so many favorites. Oh, uh, you're such so a many faves. such a goofy guy, such a goofy guy. That's how I picture Barrett. This is how I picture you. You get home, you see your dog. Hey, Hank, you goofy dude. Oh, what's up, you goofy dog? Yo, Hank's just a goofball. Hey, guys, this is my dog, Hank. Oh, Hank's just a goofer. <laughs> he is a goofer. <laughs> He's a goofer. <laughs> Uh, dude, by the way, last night I uh, took my son to to a restaurant here in town called Dick's Kitchen, and we somehow got talking. Last about, night, yeah, uh, you, but yeah, you just went like two nights ago. Yeah, he went. Melissa took him. Right. I, I like to take I like to take him to places when it's just him and I. Um, 
So, anyways, I used to go to a place named Dick's Kitchen, but it was a whole different kind of. Yeah, well, you lived you know, in right near the Castro. Yeah. So, the the thing that happened was we somehow got on jokes. Like he's like, um, he like is he's really bad at knock knock jokes. Like he's like, you know, interrupting cow is is a, is a big one. Uh-huh. You know, knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Oh. <laughs> uh, walked right uh, in. Walked right into that one. I'm just a big goofball, folks. <laughs> I'm just a big goofer. So, uh, but anyways, we. I like. So I was like, okay, let's find some better jokes. And so I look up like you know jokes for kids or whatever, and we are just having a blast. This two, this couple, these two ladies like trying to have a catch up conversation next to us, and we're just like hamming it up, and they're like giggling. They can't have their own conversation because Aiden watching Aiden's face try to figure out these jokes is so funny so let me see what's the there's one of the ones he really liked a guy got out of prison and he ran around yelling i'm free i'm free this little kid comes up to him and says so what i'm four (laughs) (laughs) that's good oh barrett you're such a big goofer all right uh, what's number four big goofballs all right nice little intermission there team yeah um (laughs) high five high five five. okay so number four is the freelancer Mm -hmm. So the freelancer is another common one we see. It's often what we recommend when you need to make money like yesterday. Freelancing examples are web designers, developers, social media gurus, photographers, copywriters, things like that. Um, Sometimes freelancers team up with other freelancers and they'll create an agency or a firm. So you'll see groups of them. Uh, Examples (laughs) of this are these kinds of people running packs, packs together. (laughs) Don't get in the way of a stampede of freelancers. Yeah, no. Yeah, okay, first of all, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you know what the groups of things are called? Yeah, yeah. like like as in a murder of crows. A murder of crows. Uh-huh. Oh snap! Do you do you know uh, what a a group of flamingos is called? A flamboyance. Oh, a flamboyance oh, of flamingos. Nice. Here's the thing. Funny thing about rhinos, they can they can run about sixty miles an hour, uh-huh. and they can only see about five feet in front of their face. Oh mm. my god! A group of rhinos is literally called a crash of rhinos. A crash nice. of rhinos. A crash of rhinos. What's a group of freelancers called? Uh, <laughs> I wish I, I, oh. I, I'm not even. Oh, I know. There's a softball. A chase. I know. There's a softball, and you let me down. <laughs> I just like I don't have enough caffeine going through it because I, I took my adrenaline pill or adrenal gland supplement, and then like had some tea instead of like the oh, good you're old, chilling, the you're good chilling. stuff. So, folks. <laughs> what is this is if yeah. you have a good if you have a good write-in audience for participation what a group of freelancers and it better be funny too a group better of be freelancers funny. hey and uh i hope for this episode i don't know if we've gotten any yet but uh do we have any of the uh hello and welcome to the fizzle show well not yet. i mean i'm still editing the one that, that we just we just did so that's All not right, even out well, yet just reminder to folks that yeah yeah we're, we're looking for some intros so if you if you didn't listen to the last episode uh or the episode before that fizzleshow.co slash ask just press press record and give us your very best hello and welcome to the fizzle show <laughs> just like that however you want to do it uh because i would love to use i'm you curious how you're gonna play the transition from them to you saying this is a show for blah 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 yeah you know? I, i'm curious too i yeah. don't know how it's gonna work but i want it i want it a lot all right i think it's gonna be fun Good for you. you. Know. So, yeah. examples of and, freelancers. And, hold on. And we need new intros. We need people, you know, if we were cars, Corbett would be a, uh, a Saab, something. Because yeah. I'm smug and vaguely <laughs> European. And, and Barrett would be a, uh, I don't know, like a VW like, thing or something. Like, <laughs> like a dependable Ford truck. <laughs> he would be like, yeah. Just I'll like take a, the just, thing. Just a stand. No, you wish. Uh, you'd be a standard. You'd be like a, uh, you'd be like an Eddie Bauer Ford Explorer. You'd, you'd, nice. And Chase, Chase Reeves would be like a, an MG, totally impractical, 
fun to have around when it's sunny outside or like and a then, carmen like, Ghia or something yeah, yeah. The, it's like it's like one of those cars you see in a jerry seinfeld uh, comedian cars getting coffee that's exactly. like it's like it only goes 13 miles <laughs> an hour 38 or a dune buggy Chase but it be is dune charming buggy for sure yeah oh that's all so examples of freelancers barrett uh yeah. cool so uh paul jarvis web designer like his work uh, Amy mm-hmm. Porterfield, when she's doing consulting on the Facebook side, yep. um, John Janch with his uh, firms that he's started on marketing. So those mm-hmm. are examples of uh, freelancers. And of course, in the design community, there's tons Every and tons of, of them. them. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's kind of a distinction here between the solo freelancer and the people who start yeah. to build a little bit of an agency, right? That's yep. right. Is it the same or do you have that later? Nope. I think those are the same. So when they come together, it's an agency or a firm. When they're single, they're just making their living. So you're basically, you're just selling services. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're a hire, a gun for hire. Yeah. Gun for hire. I did this for a long time. Corbett, you've done this in the past as well. Yep. Uh, You also were an official, like, you know, very consultant, formal consultant. I had to wear a tie and everything. Yeah. You're like, well, uh, let me, let me do some, I I can't, I don't have the answers for you right now, but I can find out for you. Yeah. A lot of that. It's just going to cost you (laughs) a lot of that. Uh, Yeah. So I was a freelancer for a long time and uh, it can be brutal, but you can also just like, um, you know, the guy that I always uh, admire so much in this space, it's not freelancing, but, but, it, it's similar is Chris Johnson with Simple Film, yep. because in this digital media world, there is a systematization that you can do to your your your. Basically, here's what I've learned after long, long, long hours of being you know, a freelancer and pay attention to a lot of my, of people who do it. As a freelancer, your process is what you sell, mm. and your process is a system. And if you turn pro and create your process, meaning, hey, 30 days after the pro- project's done and you've shipped the thing and you've got your check, guess what? You send your gift to the client, you know, which is a thing that is a, that you send to all the, the clients. Yada, yada, yada. This is a pro process. Hey, we have these stages and this, these, these moments of feedback and all this, all this other stuff, right? Yep. If you're making that up every single time, I feel like I could, I could and do I, a, yeah, a whole. You are selling your process, but, and your expertise and, and yeah. whatever, but I think your process is what determines how much revenue you can yeah. earn as well. Cause yeah. if you don't have a process, you're going to get crappy clients. You're going to be making mistakes. You're going to be re- reinventing the wheel every time. Yeah, totally. And, um, growing pro it's as a freelancer so is really true. in the process. I feel like I could, li- I could actually, uh, I don't know if we've ever really done it. Like I, I could actually put together a, a, a really great course in fizzle on of being a freelancer and turning pro on your process. That would be excellent. because you just, your process, your <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you can't see. I guess like, the radio listeners can't see that. No. But I just did like the, the like deflated robot. Just, <laughs> well, I just I just tweeted uh, a photo of you. So you could um, go back about two weeks in my tweet stream yeah. and see a photo of Chase to get a feel for what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, suffice it to say, uh, freelancer, uh, this is where... No, no. So look at, look at uh, Paul Jarvis, for example, right? Freelancer started off as a freelancer, web design guy, gets to know the internet, knows how to do this stuff, starts blogging, creates a little bit of an audience, grow, 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 grow. Now he is someone who writes books and does the things and is featured Speaking in the places and, and speaks. Yeah. All this stuff, yeah. right? So, uh, th- so meaning, again, you start somewhere and you start to mix and match. Yeah. Yep. And we talked earlier about how there was the teacher, then the thought leader, then the mediapreneur in yeah. terms of order and which you know, it's easier to earn a living and you have to have fewer people sort of in the funnel or pipeline or whatever yep. you want to call it. Yep. Freelancer goes at the very top of that. Yep. That's That requires just knocking on your neighbors next door and saying, hey, I'm a web designer. 
can I help you? Yep. And you don't necessarily even have to have some big audience to make that work. That's Maybe right. too much at home. That's a nice little picture, Corbin. Thanks. All right. So I uh, broke okay. one type of freelancer out into its own archetype. And I called this one the coach. And I think coaches are different, are different from the majority of freelancers. They still need a process. And many of the freelancing concepts apply. But there are so many freaking coaches in the world that I felt like it needed its own thing. It so, does. And it is a different beast, I think. I think yeah. so, too. So coaches, to me, work with individuals. And they might be life coaches, they might be business coaches, they might be fitness coaches. But the idea is essentially that a coach is there to ask good questions and help with the mindset aspect of whatever goals their clients are trying to achieve. Mm. So they're listening, they're questioning, they're guiding, but they're not teaching. They're not doing the work on behalf of their clients. They're simply guiding them along the path. So examples of coaches or people who were at one time coaches would be Jenny Blake, Natalie Sisson, uh, Peter Shallard. Um, do y'all have any other examples you've worked with? Uh, I mean, just the individual guys that I've worked with in the past. I, I think of um, uh, Jerry Colonna's new podcast. Uh, Jerry Colonna's is old school VC guy, uh, like GeoCities, the whole nine yards. Wow. Right? Big, big deal. Way dude. old school. And, uh, and sort of mental breakdown, uh, 9-11, yeah, uh, meditation, he comes back to himself. Now he just coaches like high performance uh, executives of startup type things. Like a lot of, a lot of like, you know, like Rand Fishkin of Moz and yep. this kind of crew. And his latest podcast is called um, I don't know. I'll put it in the in the show notes. But it's it's good. It's it's him coach. You can like Barrett. This is something you'd love uh, as a sort of coach coacher yourself. You just get to li- listen to him coach again. So like a coach, I, I'm like constructing this little thing in my head about like okay. So the coach, you don't buy a life plan from a coach. You hire a coach to ask you questions so you can write your own life plan. Yep. Um, the freelancer, you wouldn't really engage with that. The mediapreneur is maybe someone that keeps you inspired about your life plan uh, week after week after week after week with all of the stuff that they put out for free. The thought leader might have written the book in the first place about. Um, uh, about why you need a life plan of some kind, and the teacher potentially can take you through like a six week uh, life plan course. Mm-hmm. Does cool. that make sense? Yep. yep. So it. coaches are often, uh, you'll see certified or non certified coaches. So a coach might get certified by the International Coach Federation, or they might just turn on the lights one day, put up a website, and say, hey, I'm a coach. Um, I think the key to being a good coach is having a very specific target audience in a very specific area of life or business that you're helping with. I think people who market themselves as life coaches often have a very, very, very hard time coming up with a client base. In my well, experience. and it depends. I mean, you, you, your your niche, your your thing could also be your location, right? True. So if it's in Portland, Oregon, like now I have a lot of places to go to try to get to the people who are thinking about having a life coach or, or who would be, uh, you know, like this restaurant or that place or this event or yada, 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 right? Yep. So sometimes it's just location-based. And most of the coaches I've worked with have been sort of location-based. But I was a coach as well for a while. Um, I was trained as a, as a life coach from Western Seminary. And uh, man, I, I'd be honest, like, <laughs> I think everybody should do that <laughs> because it's like being trained in being a human. Yep. Because basically, you just get trained in how to ask all these powerful questions and, and how to actually listen and, and engage and observe people. It's it's really powerful. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, uh, just one more example. Um, a friend here in Portland, his name's Toku McCree. He runs a site called MindFit Move. I was having tea with him the other day. And um, his business, basically, that's not surprising. Of course, you're having tea with the guy named that who does that for a living. <laughs> 
His business is basically, uh, what he says is, I help busy people find the space they need to be happy. And um, when he described his ideal client, it was essentially, now that I'm approaching midlife, I'm starting to know a lot of people who have been climbing the success ladder for the past 15, 20 years and um, are realizing they get up at the top of the ladder and they're like, wait a second. You know, I I have the house, I have the kids, I have the car, I have the two vacations a year, and I am miserable. What's wrong with me? Yeah. And um, that's the kind of client that he's working with, basically, to um, work them through mindfulness techniques and things and to maybe change their life a little bit. Um, and uh, he's doing a good job finding clients, and they all happen to be local. So I like it. Nice. I like it. That's awesome. Um, local uh, by the way, is often Jared- a good model for coaching because you can get face-to-face and really have a big impact that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though a lot of the coaching, that, all almost all the coaching that I've ever done has been by the phone. Yep. which is very different from the therapy that I've done. You know, yes. where it's like a little more difficult. By the way, the uh, Jerry Colonna's uh, podcast is called Reboot. Reboot your leadership. Reboot your life, and it's good. Uh, it, 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 you're hearing from a lot of the a lot of cool founders of sexy little startup companies, and and they're like real deep, like dark depression, fear, anxiety, worry, et cetera, et cetera. I like it. He runs these boot camps that we we have to we have to grow fizzle quite a bit in order to be uh, uh, eligible to go to these boot camps. Uh, but I, it's a little bit of a dream of mine. Cool. So this is funny because you mentioned you picture James Clear as a thought leader. And as we're recording this, he tweets, Nir Eyal just announced the Second Habit Summit on March 24th. I'll be speaking there. We'd love to have you join. So there you go. He is, I think, positioning himself as a thought leader. So good intuition there, Chase. All right. So to this point, we've covered five archetypes. We have not touched on anyone who makes a physical thing yet. And more and more people who make physical things are taking their businesses online, which I think is a really cool kind of movement happening amongst makers and artists and that kind of thing. So the next three are going to focus on people who sell physical goods of some kind. And the first one I'll start with is the artist. And for me, an artist is kind of a purist. They're doing their work because they love the feeling of having completed a work of art. So this might be a painter, this might be a uh, artistic photographer who's not particularly serving clients. It might be somebody creating sculptures. So this is someone truly making pieces of art that could be purchased by another person. A good example of this would be uh, Corbett's wife, who's a painter. Um, Hugh McLeod is an artist who's managed to make a business out of it. Um, Death to the Stock Photo, I think, are artists through their photography. Um, Humans of New York would be another example of an artist. Uh, so these are people who are making the thing for the satisfaction that it gives them and often have a very hard time creating a business out of it. Mm. I like that. That'll, that all sounds good. So what's the, what exactly is the business model of this one? Well, the business model eventually, I think, if you were going to be a successful artist, would be to sell uh, your art directly to an audience who appreciates the way and the vision that you have for making your art, or it would be to accept commissions from clients and make yourself a sort of freelance artist. Hmm. Yeah, combining freelancer and artist. Now, Corbett, I'm interested in your perspective on this. Uh, your wife, obviously, fine artist. <laughs> well, she's an artist, and she's fine. She's a fine artist. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hello there, little one. I like it the way you paint. I just, That's pretty much what Chase says to her every time he sees her, too. Yep. I've got to knock that stuff off. <laughs> Grow up. It's bad. Okay, so hold on. Uh, Scorbitt, your perspective on this as a, you know that you, you know that more about the art world than, than any of us, uh, at least on, in this room. Oh, that's good. There's two of us here. 
Um, <laughs> my perspective on it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think some artists would take offense at the idea that they sell things for a living because most artists think that they sell their thoughts and yeah. the things that they create are just a, a representation of that thought. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a lot of artists that do performances and things that don't really have any artifacts that come out of it unless somebody records it or something. Yeah. What's your name? Abramovich or whatever. Uh-huh. It's yeah. all real time. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, and thanks to her for popularizing that sort of art because it's easier to explain now that yeah. she, that she worked with um, yeah. Lana Del Rey or whoever, yeah. uh, Jay Z, yeah, Jay Z. I That's think right. her and Jay Z stared at each other for a couple days. So, oh yeah, and um, Lady Gaga went up and uh, got naked and, and crazy with her uh, somewhere recently yeah that's true and i would i would consider like um musicians to be artists as well so that's true it doesn't have to be a physical thing you're right yeah and um and i guess uh some authors would consider themselves artists i guess if you're writing fiction would they fit into this category as well barrett yeah i think they would yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of hard to describe i guess the way that chase often put it is puts it is that the artist is principally concerned with his or her own view of things and um a typical business person is a little more concerned with the audience and um i found that to be true i don't know if uh, successful artists are all that way but a lot of artists tend to be that way and maybe that's a clue as to why mm. they don't break through and become successful yeah there's something fundamental about the p- point of view of an artist or the the, the 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 vision of an artist is not what will sell you know, yeah, and every one of us who are trying to support ourselves have to ask ourselves that question. So, and most of us are asking. That's why. I, that's why I like I like business a lot because of it because it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting way to try. To me, the dream is always how do I smash, uh, you know, honest truth, art. With, up against like things that that like a culture will actually buy. Mm-hmm. Like I want to buy truth. I want it, and I want it to. I want to take it down like a pill and it affect my the way that I live. Mm-hmm. I have pieces of art that I hang on my wall, or things, pieces of music that I've bought, or movies that I watch, or uh, clothing that represents a, a, a some sort of an idea to me or something that makes me feel like the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. You know, that makes me more likely to be kind and generous than a, a greedy sort of humbugger, right? Hmm. Uh, I like, I, I that, that's the power of, that. I, that's the power I want to see exist in business. Uh, because this is, business, I, it feels like, is this, you know, most powerful of all cultural things is the consumer and the this, that, and the other. And thank you, Adam, what's his name for Economics 101, Adam Smith. You know what I'm talking about. By the way, I've had football in this country, and it's really, really fun. Stuck in my head the the whole day. It was pretty good. Uh, I liked how you did a little intermission. Barrett's Skype cut out for a second there, and Chase just started going, you know, we got football in this country, (laughs) and it's really, really mean. (laughs) Oh, God. It's just so... uh, yeah, it's it's insidious. <laughs> the melody of that song is insidious. Where do you think it came from? It came from literally like I'm a receiver for the universe. <laughs> it was just like somebody tuned your station to yeah. that. <laughs> Tune in Tokyo. <laughs> All right, so next archetype. We've got yeah. uh, four to go here. Okay. The next one uh, we're calling the maker. So this is kind of like the craftspeople of the world. They might make jewelry. The they might make furniture. The uh, they might make <laughs> linens. Organic cotton ties. You gotta know when to make it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> know when so, to shake it. Uh, the maker is solving a problem through making a good, uh, or solving a want through making a good. So they're truly okay. focused on customers, and in the online world, they're using e-commerce to sell their goods directly to their customers or audience. So this, in this sense, you're, you're talking specifically of makers of physical things. 
That's what I'm talking about. Like yes. the guys at Dan and Tom at Studio Neat who create like the 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 glyph iPhone uh, tripod thingy. Yeah. The Cosmonaut. Oh, they did, pen. oh, they did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the um, ice maker and all that stuff. And the ice so I knew about, them from Glyph. Uh, yeah. Andrea Ayers, who we have a, a founder story with at Fizzle. She founded Soaps to Live By, amongst other uh, product companies. Yep. Uh, my friend Kevin Lavelle, who started the uh, company called Mizzen and Maine, which is performance fabric dress shirts. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, yep. quick question here. Yep. Um, we have uh, another friend of Fizzle named Steve Chu, yep. who blogs over at mywifequitherjob.com. My wife. My wife. His wife uh, actually sells wedding handkerchiefs. Yep. Handkerchiefs. However, she doesn't make them. She's right. really an so, e-commerce person. Where does I that fit? differentiate from the people who don't make the goods, and I call them, this is probably offensive, but for right now, we're labeling them marketers. Okay, so this is number eight is yes, the marketer. This is number eight. So the marketer, what they do is they take someone else's goods that have already been made and they buy them and then they resell them through storytelling and e-commerce. So for me, the marketer takes something that's already existing in the world and they wrap a story around it. Maybe they create a brand around it, around it even, and then they sell it to their customers or audience. So examples of that would, like you said, Chief, uh, Steve Chow's wife, um, Neat Edition is another example of this. Yeah. Hoffman Mercantile is an example of this. Uh, so this yeah, what, what, I, I, what I see is like, uh, so for example, you mentioned Need, uh, NeedEdition.com. And I I guess what I'm seeing is them making a corralling <laughs> an audience around a particular type of style yep. and, li- and lifestyle. Yeah. And then ho- connecting them to products that fit that right. Definitely. So for me, when I was running Father Apprentice, a site for new dads, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the men on that site were in that sort of like you know late twenties to early thirties crew, and there's just so many products to a new dad at that age group that makes so much sense. So this would be that would be me combining. I wouldn't just be selling those products. I'd be writing things uh, that these men would identify with, and then I would sell as a you know sell specific products to that kind of crew. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's just the straight up media mediapreneur because that's just what they do. There's always those delimiting sort of factors. But not in necessarily. Any I would differentiate between the mediapreneur and the marketer in that the mediapreneur is selling mind space. Yeah, no, that's what that's what that. I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like so in Father Apprentice I would be uh, I was doing the mediapreneur thing. I uh, got it. And if I was doing an e-commerce shop mainly, then like, you could like very need- much build Father Apprentice as a marketer archetype. And yeah. just sell physical goods instead, just as easy. Well, now this is this is a great example of why looking at these business models right. is so helpful. Yeah, right? exactly. Because you get to say, okay, now just as an ex- as an experiment, what would it look like if I did this as the mediapreneur? Exactly. Oh, okay, that's already already what I was thinking. What if I did it as the the marketer, and it was mostly like a place to buy good stuff for for young young men who are dads, right? Like, so think about uh, all, like first of all, I got to have a lot of products to sell. I got to find more. Second of all, I've got to find the kinds of the, the companies and the vendors and the things that are making these kinds of things. Set up relationships with these folks, right? And then we we can see about potentially making our own things. Like I always dreamt about making a a, a little tiny anvil. I had this sort of metaphor about. Being, about being a father that was like you thought that you'd be shaping your your child i remember yeah and then and guess what happens they shape you like yep. you're you're actually getting you know hammered away and they're the anvil so i always just dreamt about it's having like, this. it's like the sixth sense exactly it is there's a big it's, reveal at like, the end oh 
Never mind. It's backwards. I had it backwards. Oh, I thought it was alive the whole time. You really tricked me. My goodness. But I dreamt of having like a little like thing that like a paperweight type thing that could just be a reminder of like, oh yeah, it's painful because it's supposed to be. It's painful because I'm a piece of. You crap. love those physical things that remind you. I do, you of- dude. I love physical things that remind. I, like a book. Is I'm looking over here and there's that that Seth Go- uh, uh, Kyle gave you Seth Godin's Kyle what, Wood. What to do when it's your turn? Yep. Uh, his newer thing. And and when I was at the conference recently, I. I got one of those and it's a cool thing i've been reading latham's quarterlies which are just uh hands down the coolest thing i've read in a long time and this essentially is is like seth's version of exactly that but um but that's a piece hey, of, there's mike bruni that's a piece of art that reminds me of uh, of a way of life that i'm i'm subscribing to right and it's, it doesn't remind me don't forget to have a freebie email giveaway like that's the easy stuff and nobody wants to be reminded of that everybody wants to be reminded of why we do the work we do what's important about it why why to stay kind and generous instead of greedy and why and, to stay kind what is that what he says right there no that's what you just said y2k 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 is kind all right so that's the marketer any any what do you have you ever bought anything from a marketer? Yeah, I love uh, I and, love Need Edition. Yeah, need, I follow need. need Edition religiously because I like their view on the world as expressed through the goods they sell. You yeah. could you could call this maybe a curator. Yeah, yeah, definitely as well. Kind of curator yeah, that's might actually, be a good way to put it. That might even be a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, Why don't we uh, make that official? We'll call it the curator. Okay. The curator. I'm gonna, I'm going to change it here. But who else? Who else have we bought? I mean, you know what? The Motley.com is is. Uh, is one that I've bought from before, but they're also making their own stuff. They're also they're also creating their yeah. own. Sort well, of- what about Amazon? Yep. So Amazon's a little artisanal unit. Uh, they're up in Seattle, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they're sort of an artisanal. Thinking like the uh, Capitol Hill neighborhood a lot of or something. Sausages, yeah. And first things. Hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Charcuterie, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, that I guess that would fit. Uh, Costco is another one that I really like to go to. It's like a bunch of little vendors. And a lot of these folks end up kind of blurring the lines between curator and maker. They yep. maybe start as a curator, yeah. and then they start making their own things. Like that little company, Amazon. They yeah. have a few of their own products <laughs> these days. I guess they do now, but. Yeah. Um, but the point being, like, again, we could get nitpicky about which one is which, and that is totally not the point. Yeah. The point is only how can this help me? Like in Fizzle, we have this thing called the business, business, the 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 business, <laughs> I don't even know. Like it literally, it's just move the lips and yeah. try to make a thing. Biz um, sketch template. The physical business sketch template is just a, a quick way to sketch up uh, a bunch of different business uh, ideas that you mm-hmm. might have, that, and then bring them to the forums, and then we can kind of talk about. Okay, this looks like it might you might have a blind spot here, there, and the other way. Um, which us as entrepreneurs were notorious for having massive blind spots. Um, because you have to be necessarily delusional enough to even try anything. So that's what this is meant for as well. It's just like, a, hey, what if I did this thing? I mean, combining these with the sketch template actually is a really great idea because uh, you can imagine having that sort of guidance, you could actually fill out those questions differently in, Definitely. in the sketch template. Okay, cool. So what's next after the curator? All right, so now we're kind of transitioning out of physical goods. And I can kind of feel that. Now we look yeah. at... <laughs> Corporate just yells, yeah! Yeah, 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 we are. Uh, So the next one is the engineer. And engineer is maybe a misnomer, but it works. So for me, engineers use their technical skills to build a tool for to solve a problem. And usually that's through technology. So the engineer uh, examples would be Studio Press, who are building um, themes and frameworks for WordPress. Mm -hmm. Buffer, who builds a social media tool. 
Gumroad, who builds a digital product delivery and payment system. These are engineers who have some, in some cases, built teams. In other cases, they're independent. Like Nathan Barry's now taken on the engineer model by creating ConvertKit. Um, basically, the SaaS model, where you're selling uh, some kind of software, usually online and sometimes as a service. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is different from the developer who is a freelancer. The developer who is a freelancer has to go find clients and build yeah. them a product or build them a website. Yep. The engineer builds it for themselves and they're going to run the company on an ongoing basis. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, I like that. So, I mean, yeah, this is more of your traditional sort of uh, technical startup sort yep. of idea. So, a, a sort of SaaS software as a service product. Yep. Okay, good. I like that. Yeah. Any, uh, I, I guess there's, there's an, Endless amount of examples of this, right? From intercom to MailChimp to yep. to ConvertKit, as you mentioned, which is Nathan Barry's uh, email thing. By the way, I just had a call with Nathan Barry about ConvertKit. I think we might uh, have some pretty interesting things coming down the line. Definitely. And if you're doing uh, email stuff um, and you, if you want to take it seriously, check out ConvertKit. You might realize that you might, you might, that's built exactly for the kind of people who listen to this product podcast. Yep. Uh, whereas MailChimp, like, you know, in our situation, we kind of have to hack a bunch of stuff to offer different things and to have a sort of a drip campaign and do all this other stuff. Specifically um, teachers, thought leaders, um, yeah. freelancers. This is a convert kit's a great tool to teach your audience things that leads to sales. Okay, good. I like that. Um, okay. Now we have one more. Is that really cool. it? This is the it. Last this one, is the last yep. one. We're almost okay. right on time too. So the last Ooh. one for me uh, well, I plan, on, I plan on derailing this a little bit. And just to- <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, the last one I'm going to call the retailer. And what the retailer means to the me... The retailer? Wait, I don't see that on my page. Yeah. So it's I not called the script. The, I called it the innovator to begin with, and I don't like that. So I'm going to call Ooh. it the retailer. And You're this so innovative. And this is an entrepreneur who's been around a while. They have a physical location. So this could be a real estate agent or a coffee shop owner or an insurance broker that already has an existing business and they want to take that traditional business online. And so this is a little bit of a blend of some of the other ones, but I think it's different in that they probably started their business before the web was such a massive way to market yourself. And they're saying, wow, I got to get up to speed on this because my customers are searching online for me and I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very unique kind of situation where. So what are what are examples of this? Um, so this would be like, for example, my mom is a financial advisor. If she wanted to it start, all comes back to your mom. Of course she is. If she wanted to start marketing herself online to gain clients as opposed to direct selling, she would create a blog, create a website to tell her story. Uh, she might create create informational content about investing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so she'd be taking an existing practice or business that she's already running and successful at and saying, I'm going to scale that up by marketing myself yeah. through blogging, podcasting. My wife, my wife, my wife, my wife site uh, does her, her real estate team sort of does this. Uh, home team, Portland.com is a pretty good looking website if I do say so myself, but yeah, like they're they're uh, but they're targeting still just Portland. It's not like a massive uh, yeah. uh, online uh, yep. database or research base for right all buying homes it's still it's just they're they're doing content marketing for their little client services business Boy, howdy. here you know so in some ways it's just uh it is different and by the way as, as a uh, i don't know just just as a business idea generating thing finding companies and businesses and things that are always working offline and bringing them online is to me a real great uh, way to to make money 
it's a great way to make money because it means that you already that? know Corbett just snapped and pointed at me. Like, <laughs> well, like we were agreeing with you. Like it was yeah. like it was like we were disagreeing with you. We were at a dud party and he was like, It's time to go. He's all bam. <laughs> we're out of here. We're out of here. <laughs> well the point though is you already know the business works. Yeah. And so by taking it online, you're really just saying, Okay, let's find new marketing channels for a business we already know works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I do like that, and and it also is so. As an example of that, like Chris Johnson, before he started uh, Simplifilm, he was a real estate agent or a mortgage broker, and he realized like nobody in that world had good websites. So we just started making websites. He would use like three WordPress themes and and get these people up with a, a minor amount of customization. Again, a systematized creative endeavor. Yeah, he turned a business in. He turned it so into a business, and uh, and it gave him it cut. He he cut his teeth there, and that's what turned into Simplifilm eventually. Is his ability to sort of work with clients and create that system. Which Love is it. Sensational. All right, so I want to. We ask, when we uh, do this in the email series or when we post it in the forums, we ask some questions to follow this up to help people think through. Because now what we've just done is given people a ton of information. You have 10 potential business archetypes that you could build for yourself. So you got to ask yourself now a couple questions. The first one I ask is, if you could wave a magic wand and immediately have a successful business on your hands, which archetype would you choose? Ooh. So you overnight get to choose one that works. I really wanted to hum again with you and just keep going. Uh, so that's number one. Um, and what that's saying is you get to remove all the obstacles. You get to not think about how hard it's going to be. And it's just like, which one would be fun? I like that. And also, yeah. if you could just wave a magic wand and transform the business you have, like, don't worry about what you have right now. Yeah. Huh. I think. I, what would you guys go with? I, I'm, I'm curious. curious. Ooh, good question. Okay. So I guess. If I could be successful in anything, it would probably be more towards the artist thing mm-hmm. for yeah. me to go like, I just want to do what I want to do. And, and it ends up being good enough to like, like, I don't, I don't, you know, you don't paint yourself into some corner for the rest of your life or anything like that. You're just kind of like, you're trying, you're, you're like the way that I see, you know, uh, a lot of these authors get to write about whatever they feel like writing as long as it's, first of all, they do a bunch of research to find out what's marketable. Yeah. Right. You know, so I'm watching Josh Kaufman do this now as he's discovering and researching for his next book. Oh yeah. You know, you have to, you have to, he has two books under his belt. And just like episode 86, one of the better episodes of this podcast, reverse engineering successful content, mm-hmm. yeah, you you have to kind of reverse engineer successful books that way too. Yep. That's what, how Malcolm Gladwell made his whole living. You know, that's how, that's how uh, you know, I was listening to 99% Invisible, this great podcast, uh, and uh, every episode there and uh, now uh, is actually a bringing to radio something that was already successful either on another show or on uh, an article somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the one I just listened to today was, you know, those like those, those tube men that sort of like you put a fan underneath them and they, they flew up, fly up and down and kind of like bend over and then come back up and move around and all that stuff. You know, the ones I mean, like out front of a, yeah. buying a car and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's the audience can see that. Uh, we're in front of used car dealerships and all this other stuff. They talked about the story of where those came from, like the origin story of that. It was fascinating. And then at the end, he's like, this was originally on somewhere else. So that kind of reverse engineering of of this thing to be successful. Anyway, yeah. so got, Chase uh, would yeah. be an artist. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I would go mediapreneur. I think I was thinking about thought leader. I really like that. But also that's a, that's lot, a lot of work. work doing that research and like, you know, 
um, mediapreneur, I feel like is kind of a curator of thought leaders in a way. Yeah. Or, I, or I could also see you, or and and I think I'd like this as well to be the curator, to be the uh, yeah. brain pickings type. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're just reading a bunch of stuff, finding a bunch of stuff, getting the things. Yeah, I already do this. This is what Ice to the Brim is, and it's just quotes. You know, it's just quotes and images. So I like the idea of produce making things as well, but I, I feel like it's one of those things where you realize making something good is going to take years of refinement. Yeah. And you get like two years into it and you're like, damn it. So, I mean, what are we right now? What is the, what is the, uh, I guess we're the teacher, right? Yep. We are, we are the teacher. Fundamentally, Fizzle is the teacher. We teach you things, but we're also like a, some other thing. Like we're kind of like the curator in that we're, we're curating a community in some ways. Uh, but uh, we're curating people. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess we mostly fit into the teacher. Barrett, if you had to pick one, which would you pick? I'm really torn. Uh, I think the most likely one that I I'm would end up doing. I'm out of I'm already torn. Uh-huh. Oh, Natalie so, Imbruglia. Imbruglia. One end of oh, me. Oh, she's wonderful. <laughs> How appropriate, because it is always the 90s in Portland. Just- <laughs> okay, go, 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 Barrett. Sorry, so one end sorry. of me would like to be you the You did say leader. torn. I'd love to read and research and turn that stuff into actionable books and speeches. That was the and thought leader? Like yep. Okay. The other side of me, though, would really like to be the maker and make mm. goods that really solve problems. Can I be honest? Um, yep. As you're as you're uh, uh, stepping out of life coach mode, you are a thought leader, and you're, you're you'd like to be a maker. That's probably true. How's that feel? Yeah. How's that feel? Feels right. This is Feels the kind like of in- you can pay us later for that coaching. Yeah, maker, kind of maker would be a passion project. Yeah, it would be a passion project. You'll 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 want to see yourself as a, I'm the same way with other things. I'll want to see myself as certain things the rest of my life uh, because there's there's something I just so deeply admire about that. But the things that I am are different. Yep. And I think you're more you more am a thought leader mm-hmm. and and desire to be All a right. maker. What's the next question, Barry? Um, cool. So and, and we're not going to answer them ourselves. Just yeah. let's just uh, give us other a run. Question right. is. So a little bit less than the last one is which appealed to you overall and which didn't appeal to you. So kind mm-hmm. of putting them in two buckets. Which ones could you see yourself maybe thinking about and which ones you definitely would never want to do? Mm. So that's the next question. And so, then okay. Go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So the last question is, if you fast forward 10 years and you can magically combine three of these business archetypes into one successful business, which would they be? Mm. And so I think the first question is about you get to choose one and it's successful tomorrow. Yeah. The last question is you get to choose three and you've effectively combined them 10 years from now. That's interesting. I like that. But my favorite question on this is, uh, or the thing that it makes me think of is I love all the examples in each one uh, because what I want, what I would love for every listener to do uh, who's serious about creating their business is to find uh, at least one, but maybe closer to three to five of the, the actual people doing this kind of business. And to follow them extremely closely. Absolutely. And then just, just sketch it out. What if you did exactly what they were doing for your different topic, niche, all that stuff? How would it look differently? Now you've got a little plan. Who's to say you can't just like, uh, cross one of those things off the list in the next six weeks? Mm-hmm. You know, like they, just try it out. You're going to, you're going to get ideas and then you're going to learn so much as you make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a perfect way to just sort of hack new ideas of things to do by just finding someone who's doing it really great. And doing what they're doing, but for your audience and in your way. Exactly. Got anything else there, Barrett? If no. I, I've got two things I'd like to do. Oh, cool. First of all, I'd like to give us a round of applause because we really, you guys, Barrett, can you, can we, you know, one we, more song, <laughs> one more song. You know, we said we were going to do something. One more song. We got it in. One more song. <laughs> 
Barrett led us well. Chase stayed out of it. It was yeah. the whole thing was brilliant. <laughs> it was good. It was the, it was the right combo. Um, so thank you, Barrett, for walking us through that. The other thing I just noticed was I hadn't checked in on our fizzle reviews <clears throat> in a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. There's some good new ones in here. It, fe- yeah. it seems like around the first of the year, people are like, I got to get back in, you yeah, know, and yeah, do some yeah. listening. On, the, on iTunes you're talking about? iTunes yeah. reviews, yeah. Uh, can I just read one? Wait, which, which one? Bonnie Over the Sea? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a good one. So Bonnie Over the Sea on January 1st said, uh, I'm undoubtedly older than the average Fizzle listener. I she's, love this one. She's 58. Yeah. But the podcast seems it was like, like it was recorded just for me. Of course, except when the guys geek out on Star Trek. Maybe she's just not into <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah. The content is so helpful and the presentation so entertaining that I never skip an episode. If you're ready to go all in on something you love and you don't and you want to do it online and you're a little bit of an ignoramus about how to actually get it done, this is the place to be. Don't change a thing, guys. And I'll be following you until I'm so old and crotchety that I no longer spew coffee out of my nose when Chase goes off on a tangent. I love me some fizzle. That's about Corbett's age now, is that old and crotchety. Yeah, yeah. But the best thing, read, read her title. Read the title of it. Uh, I've fallen into this podcast and I can't get up. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you, Bonnie, over the sea. Oh, that is fantastic. so good. And um, just to remind people, we appreciate reviews. We read the reviews. We love them. Yeah. If you love the show and you want to give back a little bit, you can leave us a review over on iTunes. We would. You really know why? You it. folks know why we do this show. It's to uh, it's to help other entrepreneurs who are putting their butt on the line to build something that they care about actually succeed. We want you to be able to do your best work. And when you leave us a review on iTunes, you help us reach more people. Thank you. So Man, uh, that was good. That wasn't even written down. <laughs> that wasn't written down. That was excellent. Uh, so my call to action here at the end would be. Um, Number one, if you liked this, if you like this kind of framework for thinking about models you can build a business around, I'd love to hear from you. And number two, if you're going to send me an email, tell me which one is most appealing to you. If you could have a business tomorrow, which one would you pick? No, 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 no. Let's do this all in the comments. Okay, I do want it in the comments. That's answer. better. That's better. I, so we've got the three questions. Uh, I want you to tell me at least at least this. Wh- which one do you want? Wh- which one? If you could major, wave a magic wand right now and have one of these be a really successful model for you, what would it be? And number two, who can... Uh, uh, I want to know who you're looking at. Like, if you could guess, if you could say, like, I'd like to do uh, something. I, I, these are the people that I admire, or this is someone that I admire. I want to hear about it. I, I think let's get a good conversation going in the in the in the show notes. This will be ninety one. Ninety one. This will be ninety one. Fizzleshow.co slash ninety one. Right? Yeah. Yep. I think it will be ninety one. Yep. Did I write that down already? Is it 91? Wait, it what is episode 91. is it? Oh, so that means that the show notes will just be at fizzleshow.co slash 91. I'll be damned. Wow. Isn't that Is this going to be on the test later? So, uh, yeah, why don't you come down to the Tribeca Film Festival? Guys. Uh, I made some cookies. <laughs> Barrett, wrap this up for we us. We nailed it. I've been we Barrett did. Brooks. Whoa, whoa. Oh. No, no, no. You can't just name block us like that. You can lead a horse to water. <laughs> well, that's the only way the thing ends, okay? I And I have been Chase Worman-Reeves. Fine. I'm going last. I've been Corvette Bar. I've been Barrett Brooks. I'll end it. Now you have to say, I'll see you there. I'll see you on another time. I'll see you there. I'll see you on another time. <laughs> so... There you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 91. 
That's where you're going to find the show notes for this episode. And if you've never been to the show notes page before, uh, this is a good one because I've listed out all of those business models, all those business archetypes and the questions. And I'm really keen to hear what your answer to the questions are. Which business model, if you had to pick one and you knew it would be successful, would you want to choose right now? And then there's two more questions. One of the things I'm really interested in is is uh, yeah, this business model that you that you picked. Who 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 do you admire that that's doing a business like that? Who can you pay attention to? Maybe someone that that I've I've added a bunch of, of examples to each one of them there in the show notes, and I'd love to hear in the comments what you think. Who, who you uh, admire as, as business people, as you, what businesses you look at. That way. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm, come on, you know what I'm saying here, people. All right, you're going to find that at fizzleshow.co slash 91. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 91. Here's the rest of uh, Adna Nedtech's <laughs> iTunes review from the U.S. Listen now. Five stars. Your, eel, your eardrums will say yes and thank you from the bottom of their hearts. If eardrums had hearts, which they don't. But if they did, Chase would talk about it. <laughs> Thank you, Adam NedTech. Uh, you could leave us a review on iTunes as well, as Corbett mentioned in the in the end. There, we we love reading those. We really we really do read them, and uh, oftentimes they get read out on the air like this. Especially if you include an introduction, uh, which I'm keen to to get more of. So well, you know, if we were. Uh, if we were things you might find in a shower, if we were uh, the kinds of things that are on the desks of CEOs, if we were um, uh, young adult uh, fiction genres, if we were, uh, gosh, I don't know, if we were startups, <laughs> if we were uh, superheroes, if we were, uh, if we were uh, Clint Eastwood movies. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Just make something up. I'd love to read it. If we were, I'm not going to keep going. Uh, listen, on this, the first, first week of February 2015, uh, they know that, you know that January's over, right? Uh, it's done. It's already, just take it, turn the calendar page. So on this, the first week of 2015's February, February, I'm hoping and, and, and wishing for you not, not an easy or gentle or cloudless life, but for a heart fully awake and eyes alight with direction potential and joy find care take care serve hard and dig in thanks i'll talk to you next fizzle friday